Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to tonight's California Haunts radio show. We are coming to you from... Not so sunny Sacramento, California, uh, where California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is based, as well as the show. Uh, I'm a my name is Charlotte, and I will be on the air here for about an hour or so, talking with my great guest. I've got a great guest tonight for everybody to listen to. She's got lots of stories to tell about ghosts from around the world, and and a story about a little girl that, uh, or a young girl that that, that that escapes through the Bavarian woods that happened to be haunted. So we'll, we're going to talk to Adam. Anna Maria Manello about that. I don't know why my lips don't want to work tonight. Anyway, I um, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, like I said, based out of Sacramento. We're 35 strong up and down the state of California. We also have members in Oregon, Washington, Hawaii, and Nevada. So we're kind of sp- kind of spread out, and uh, we're a nonprofit, so we're helping people. All- we try to help people all over the world if we can. Uh, you can visit the radio show at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Yes, that's right. Too many California haunts in my life. Um, if you want to visit the uh, website for the team, get this. It's California www.californiahaunts.org. You can see why I get, you know, kind of flip them. Anyway, I want to welcome you guys. It's a great night. And uh, I want to remind you guys about Sunday's event that we're going to be doing a solstice reading for people. And you get three choices of questions that, that you can ask. It could be about anything, future, past, deceased relatives, whatever you want. And Stephanie Page Belson from our team will do a reading via runes, uh, tarot cards, and whatever else she has for that particular evening. So that'll be Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, you can check that out at www.californiahauntsradio.com and slide over the top to the last little uh, peg thing at the top there. Click on it, and it will take you into events. And that's where you can check that out. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest in. And like I said, she's got some real interesting ghost stories to ghost stories to tell and i want to find out how she got into this so here we go hello hi good evening how are you charlotte good how are you pretty good pretty good i hope the mood is uh good over here i got one light on i was trying to make it dimmer to give us some mood so i shut the one light off it looks like it's pretty bright where i am anyway but uh you know (laughs) no problem no problem at all so tell me about you Oh, gosh. Uh, Where to begin? I actually uh, didn't start by writing ghost stories. I actually was a member of MUFON, the uh, Mutual UFO Network. Uh, That kind of gave me the impetus to write down all the stories that I had compiled. But to begin to begin, as they say, um, I was actually raised in a neighborhood uh, that happened to have been built on top of a huge, massive graveyard. Mm. So <laughs> going back in the, not to date myself, going back in the 60s, which right. was probably, I would say, 15 years after World War II ended in the Philippines, which is where I'm from, um, there, there was an area or a stretch of land uh, in a suburb outside of Manila, about 15 miles, uh, I would say, southwest 
not very good with directions, but I'm thinking maybe <laughs> southwest is what I would call that. It's called San Juan, and it's a stretch of land that apparently had seen battle. So what happened here, Charlotte, uh, to make a long story short, which I, sure. I never do, I, my stories are really long. <laughs> That's um, <okay>. <laughs> an entire <laughs> neighborhood uh, of homes were built. Uh, and it just so happened that the whoever developed the land did not realize that there were bones of Japanese soldiers. Oh, boy. Uh, littered uh, all underneath in the soil. And uh, and this is where the story actually begins. Um, it, it actually even begins way before that. So I, I will tell you that because of my background and because of all these different things that were going on, and we're talking like probably every couple of weeks, there's something bizarre and odd going on in that neighborhood. I finally sat down at some point uh, while I was still a member of MUFON in 2008, and that's a totally different chapter, <laughs> um, and compiled all the stories. I had kept in touch with a number of people from San Juan, which is where I was uh, raised until I was about maybe 13 years old, and then I moved to the States. So that's where I am now. Um, I'm in the same country you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. Later in the evening. <laughs> it's later in the evening in here. So, um, but uh, what happened was I was a member of MUFON, and this is how I got into MUFON. I was visiting with a friend of my husband's. We were having dinner with them. And on the coffee table was this, I kid you not, a binder that was yay thick. Mm -hmm. So while we were waiting for dinner and we were talking, yada, 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 I opened up the binder, and lo and behold, there's like a picture of all these aliens. Whoa that had been seen all over the world and every corner of the world. So I got very absorbed looking at it. And the gentleman who was the host uh, said to me, have you ever um, seen an alien? And I said, um, well, I don't know that I would say that I have. I've seen a lot of ghosts. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, well, I'm taking this uh, course. He said, it's with the mutual UFO network. And I, bought the binder with the intent of studying it. And then I said, what are you going to do with that? He says, I'm going to be an investigator. Cool. So I went home <laughs> and I uh, looked up MUFON online and found out that they were looking for investigators. So there I am. I ordered the book and it just went from there, Char. I just went from reading the book, sitting for the test, passed the test, I think I had one, maybe one mistake. Uh, and then I hit the ground running. We had a UFO flap the same month that I passed the test. Whoa. So <laughs> from April 2008 to, I would say, past Thanksgiving, <laughs> they had sightings that were way over 700% than normal. So that kind of like brought me into the entire milieu of the paranormal and then at that point, I started really seriously talking about all the other things that have happened in the past. Mm -hmm. So 
after having compiled all that with all the travels that I had done, and, and it wasn't really done yet, there probably will be a part two to this book. Mm -hmm. um, what you have in your hands is called the portal, and, and it is technically a lifetime. Oh, wrong um, book. Sorry, guys. So that's the next one. That's, that's okay. the right one. There that's go. the right okay. one. Yeah. So what you're seeing here is the second edition of Portal. The first edition was published in 2017. This one was published um, actually just this past year in, um, mm -hmm. in May, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and basically, you're looking at the first half of a book that goes into, into a detail. And I'll tell you some stories out of that about a, a demonic infestation that happened in a hamlet, once again, outside of Manila. Uh, I know this story in detail because the person who was involved, well, the family that was involved, happened to be across the street from us. Uh, it, it's, it's a very tragic story in the sense that all the things that could go wrong in a haunting happened to this family. So in the cover of the book, you'll see there's kind of like a gate. Mm -hmm. uh, the illustrator really did a great job. And I have to thank my publisher for this cover. I mean, it was just incredible when I saw it. I said, yep, that's the cover. That is San Juan Gate. That is a physical gate that does exist uh, in the suburb of Manila called San Juan. And San Juan today is very busy. Uh, I don't even recognize my neighborhood. I haven't been home in probably uh, 10 years, nine years. Uh, but it, San Juan is famous for a lot of very strange and bizarre happenings. Uh, I don't know how much of the homes uh, that were standing when I was still living there are still there. I do know that our home has since been raised to the ground and the neighbor's home across the street also has been altered significantly. Hmm. So that's how I began. That's interesting. You know, uh, because, because Puerto Rico, of course, for UFOs and stuff, it, it has always been a high, a, a high volume area. Yes. Yes, you know, because uh, a lot of the a lot of the early books, you know, that they have with photos of 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 UFOs and stuff are from Puerto Rico. It's you know, it's just it's craziness over there. It's interesting to me that not much has been done as far as the Philippines, or maybe even you know, certain. Oh, I'm sorry, the Philippines. Movie. I take it back, Puerto Rico. I'm so sorry, the Philippines. Yeah, but but yeah. I know what you're talking about with Puerto Rico because uh, Puerto Rico and the Philippines, yeah. Yeah, Vieques Island, uh, mm -hmm. you know, is off the coast over there, and that's got some really bizarre happenings. Uh, and then they talk about the forest. I forget the name of the forest. It's over right, there. right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. But I'm acquainted with that too. Yeah, but I, I'm sorry, I meant the Philippines. I don't know why I was thinking Puerto that's Rico. Okay. It's late but in yeah. the <laughs> but Yeah, but I remember seeing a lot of these books, you know, uh, over the years when, when I was young, because I'm I'm an old fart now, but when I was young, and a lot of them were, were from the Philippines and pictures from the Philippines, you know, of, of these things in the air. Yeah. It's interesting because there is a UFO organization that is now based there. I think they were trying at some point to gain membership with MUFON. Uh, mm -hmm. That was probably a few years ago when they attempted to do that. And they do have investigators off the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, I've sin since kept in touch with, you know, the director of that. And then through the years kind of lost track of where they were 
in their investigations. Um, but what I did do was keep in touch with the people who told me some really uncanny ghost stories cool. uh, in the Philippines. So cool. that is part of, of this book that you showed. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I wanted to mention was that the focal point of the book in the first 24 chapters uh, revolves around something that, and maybe you can tell me what, what you think this might be. Okay. Um, I've gone through a few podcasts where people are puzzled. And when I shared with them a little bit about the case, you know, people started throwing out opinions based on, you know, the facts of the right. case. Um, this particular book is based on a family that we had known quite a bit, uh, only because I ended up growing up with the daughter, who is the centerpiece of the story. Uh, it was her mother who was the center of the infestation, and it began during World War II. Um, I'm not by any means a, a stretch of the imagination an expert on World War II in the Pacific Rim, mm -hmm. but I do know that it was very violent, it was very bloody, uh, as all wars are. And in this particular case, this family was composed of a gentleman who happened to be a medical doctor, uh, and a woman who at the time was training to be a dentist. Uh, they got caught in World War II. He ended up working for a MASH unit. And, you know, that means that he has to triage and take mm -hmm. care of all the fatalities. Meanwhile, his wife at the time already had four children. Uh, later on, after the war, they had two more, so they had a total of six she had four children ranging in age from, at the time, about maybe 14 years old, all the way down to about four. She had to flee through the woods, no relation to the next book. Right, right, right. But she had to flee through the woods, going up north. Uh, and at the time in the Philippines, the, the uh, rainforest is pretty extensive. Mm -hmm. that, not the way it is right now with deforestation and everything else. She fled on foot with four children in tow. So if you picture a tropical rainforest with all the hazards that that presents, you know, not just flies, mosquitoes and things of that nature, probably all kinds of other animals, the humidity and everything, and then the threat of being caught by the Japanese, they were going through a very deep section of the forest when finally they come upon a clearing. And by the time they do, the children are bedraggled, they're exhausted, whatever they were carrying food-wise, they probably were dwindling at this point and they were probably very thirsty, very hungry. So this entire opening in front of them was very inviting because it actually was a convent that they saw. So the mother of the brood then proceeded to go inside with her four children. Mm -hmm. So we have a little girl who is the oldest. Second to the oldest was another little girl. Uh, and then actually there were four of them, four girls. They get inside and they discover that everything in there had already been ransacked. Mm -hmm. So whatever 
transpired happened before they arrived. Mm-hmm. So it's quiet. The place is remote. It's in the middle of what you would think is a jungle. I think that's what it was. And the way she described it to me was that it was very heavy in terms of the feeling that they got when they entered. That apparently something tragic had happened. So furniture was overthrown. All the shelving was overthrown. There was really not much in terms of food, but there was water. So then the mother proceeded to try to make do because they needed shelter. They needed a place to sleep away from the elements. And they figured, hey, we found it. The second to the oldest daughter runs up the steps and picture this huge stone convent, probably had marble stairs. Mm -hmm. So she's very adventurous, unlike the other three kids. She gets to the top on the second floor hallway, and lo and behold, there's a whole series of rooms. And there are doors that are open, and she walks into one of them, and she sees a series of beds with the windows open to the night air. So if you're, I think at the time the kid was seven, if you're seven years old and you had been walking, running, doing what you can, you know, to keep up, it was like a death march. First thing you want to do is lie down and sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's what she did. She chose the bed that was closest to the window on the very end of this huge room. So it's obviously a communal room for the nuns. Mm-hmm. She lies down facing the window. And then she starts to fall asleep. Meanwhile, everybody's settling downstairs. Her mother's probably looking for her, wondering what's going on, knows that she's a little bit kind of like adventurous. Mm -hmm. She probably figured I'll settle with the other three kids first. But anyway, she wakes up suddenly for no reason. And she turns just in time to see someone entering this long room from the other end through a door. And whatever it was, was floating steadily towards her. Wow, that's creepy. Now, Charlotte, picture this. This is all in darkness. The only light you've got is the window right next to her and maybe some windows behind her. And if you're in the middle of a forest, you're relying basically on stars, you know, if there's a moon out there. So it's dark, but it's light enough that she knows that whatever this figure is, is cloaked entirely from head to toe in black. So as it is slowly approaching her, she can hardly move. She realizes that she's terrified. She manages to sit up. And it is now drawing close to her. And now she sees that it's a nun. It's got that white band on its head. 
and it's got the veil in black mm -hmm. and it had the angriest face imaginable. It was the face of rage, outright rage. She couldn't scream. It was like her throat was all locked up. And he reached for her and hit her in the thigh. Wow. And then she started screaming. And then there was commotion downstairs. Whatever it was had disappeared. Mm -hmm. She bolts out of the bed. And finally, her mother and a sister, I believe, came running. And she was running. She was running with them. And she told them what happened. Her mother thought she was having a nightmare until she showed her the mark of a signet ring on her thigh. So that's where the story begins with this woman. That's incredible. And it doesn't end there. Because she grew up with this mark on her thigh. Nobody knows what the symbol means. There was a symbol. It was a signet ring of some type. And normally when you think about a nun, when they're wearing a ring, mm -hmm. there's usually either a saint in there or a cross. They, no one could identify mm -hmm. what it was that was on the signet ring, but it was a symbol of some type. And it wasn't later on with another tragedy that that thing completely disappeared. Wow. I don't know what to say about that. That's, that, that's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, there's been stories later on about, you know, nuns who had experienced tragedy or right. the evil nun and things right, like right, that. Right, right. I yeah, kind of yeah. wondered what the similarities are. Right. Uh, this is a phantom that's disguised as a nun, or whether this could be, was could, yeah. There's a possibility that that's what it is, or it's just a nun who, as my father put it when he was growing up, the nuns were mean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> could just be a mean nun. You know. Yeah, yeah. My, my father used to tell stories. He never went to parochial school, but he used to tell me stories about his friends that went to parochial school when he was like, you know, like 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 back in nineteen, you know, in the nineteen thirties. And stuff, and, and 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 you know how how the nuns were and stuff. So yeah, it could oh, be gosh. anything. Oh, do I know? Yep, <laughs> yep. I went to Catholic school until way into high school. <laughs> but this was not your variety of mean nun. This nun was this was yeah evil. This it was, was evil. evil. Whatever this was, I would and, th I would think it was something disguised as, as a nun. That's what I would think. I I think so too because you know. People have talked about this uh, and have asked me what I thought about what the nature of it was. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can think of is somehow it marked her for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because it, whatever was happening to her it is happening to her in a series of very negative ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is the entire lifetime, from what I understand, it, you know, it's... Uh, it's just devastating, one loss after another. So, you know, I, it, it almost sounded to me later on like it was a curse. Right. Somehow, whatever it was marked her. Why she was singled out, nobody knows. 
you know, there was like a huge family to go with that. There's six children eventually. Right. But she was singled out. Well, I, you know, it could be a case of just being in the wrong place at the, at the, at the right time. You yeah. know, where she shouldn't have been up there in the first place. And this thing was territorial and it wasn't happy she was up there. And that's yes. what it was going to do. Yes. And I think, you know, as with uh, things that, you know, with people who live in certain places, they feel like it had been torn from them, taken from them. And there was a, apparently a tragedy that happened at that convent. Mm -hmm. Who knows what happened before they got in? So now right. suddenly they're occupying the space that really rightfully didn't belong to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They just didn't like the, you know, didn't like them there at all. Yeah. 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 So. So this was the same family that ended up moving into a brand new home. And of course, lo and behold, they end up in a house that was sitting on top of a graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this <laughs> the same family. Right there, boy. <laughs> yes. And I think that one of the things that uh, struck me with this is that that woman who was marked on the thigh later on ended up getting married and then the next tragedy strikes i mean i won't spoil it for you know people right, who right, right. used to buy the book right. but it's just one haunting one infestation after another uh and and no one at the time really felt seriously about how it should be you know fixed or someone right. should intervene this is way before people were I think what it is, is part of it is people were concerned about their reputation. People were concerned about how they would appear if it was mm -hmm. made public. So they really, they had it blessed. They had that house blessed in San Juan. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they ever had the house blessed that was in this apartment where this couple lived. And that, to me, was more obvious and probably more immediate than anything. I mean, Charlotte, right. you know this, you, being a member of a, a ghost team. Well, yeah, but if this thing is, is, is demonic, too, it depends on the blessing. I mean, if they go in and just do a standard house blessing, it's going to piss it off. That's, That's just how it thought. is. Yeah. You know, without going in, I mean, I mean there's, there's different ways to, to go about that like exorcism wise too i mean there's a standard there's a standard house blessing and that's just for the house itself it's not for whatever might already be you know might might be a, be a demon or, or or you know or, or whatever in that particular house yeah 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 and, and see i think that because of the times we were talking in the 60s mm -hmm. i don't think there's even any trained exorcists right in that area let alone say, you know, go to the parish priest and say, do you realize <laughs> all these things are happening one right after the other? Um, right. What do you suggest? The guy goes out and actually does a blessing and then leaves it as, at that, which did make it worse, Charlotte. It did make it worse. It catalyzed more. It really yeah. ended and uprooted whatever it was that was hidden in there. They all made themselves obvious. Every part of that house had some kind of a problem. Well, as a paranormal investigator, I'm all for people talking to the church, you know, and stuff. I have no problem with that. But mm -hmm. I always tell people, I said, well, you don't know what you're dealing with yet in the house. 
That's what our mm-hmm. job is to go out and find out what you're dealing with. Because if you if you do get a house blessing on the house, if it's something that the house blessing isn't going to cover, you're going to make it angry and it's going to get worse. And I think that's what happened with this yeah. one. Yeah. That's what it sounds and like. It, it, and it sounded to me like, you know, in retrospect, after hearing all the stories, that no one knew what to do after the blessing was done. No one knew where to go from there. It's like, we had the blessing. Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is a 99.9% Roman Catholic country. And the priests were, I guess, maybe going, I don't know. They just put their hands up in the air. Yeah. And kind of washed it, kind of like said, hey, that's a nice neighborhood. We're not going to tell people don't move there. Right, right. Right. No, I can understand that. I can totally understand that. Because I know a lot of the instructions we leave even after, yeah, even after there's an exorcism done or we, you know, we, we do a spirit removal with one of our shamans is that, hey, you guys have to work at it from your end too, you know, to not think about this. Because, you know, when what happens with people is that when something like that happens and if they come out and do a blessing, you're sitting there alone at night in the house and what happens your mind starts to wander back to the stuff that was happening and inadvertently mm-hmm. you call it back in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i agree with that and, and someone said to me that and and, and now and i'll talk about this sure. because i think it needs to be discussed Someone had said to me a number of times, you know, you're spending a lot of hours, like when I wrote Portal, you did the first 24 chapters on this particular case because you intimately knew the people, the members of the family and what went on for years and years. Uh, And you even visited with some people, you know, in another far off area in the same country. Uh, And you saw a similar infestation this time at a university. And that's even creepier. Right. Well, as you're writing this alone, you know, do you think that perhaps they're inviting you or you're inviting them because of your interests? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> the way I react to it, Charlotte, is I have more than anything else, I think I found myself more religious. Yeah. Not in a rigid way, because, you know, if people knew I'm Roman Catholic, but I really believe in reincarnation, they'd probably kick me out the door. But I think I have more respect for the Catholic Church in the sense of I understand what the rights are about. Right. I also feel much closer to God because of it. And there's also that faction that says you have to know the enemy. You have to know who you're dealing with. Yes. And in the same token, get to know God. So now I'm feeling like, okay, I've got a balance here now because I know the one force can override the other. Mm -hmm. So I I almost have to think to myself as I'm writing it to say a prayer first, to surround myself with light so that whatever is watching me as I'm typing realizes She's just chronicling what we are like. Right. But she's not subscribing to right. us. Absolutely. If I could count in the early days when I used to film a California Haunts TV show for public access, 
Mm-hmm. And if I could count all the times that I've taken the video home, because I because I, I was first starting out then, so you don't think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. If I can count all the times that I, I had one particular video in particular that no matter what I did, something went wrong with it. There was always something wrong with it or stuff would get lost on the computer or something would happen to it. And then it dawned on me why, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that veil of protection around it and whatever it was did not want me to, to, to chronicle it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't want us to have control over it. No, no. But like you, yeah. you know, I, I, I gained a respect for what the church is and, and, and all that stuff. I'm Catholic too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I gained a huge respect for for what they do and, and all that. So, I mean, yeah, now I don't have any problem with it because I do put that veil of protection up, you know, when I'm doing it and say, and I'll say it out loud. I'll just say, hey, you know, I'm just doing this. This is entertainment. It doesn't matter. We're not, you know, we're not trying, I'm not trying to make you look bad or anything like that. I'm just trying to put out a video, you know, that, that shows what, who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that that's kind of like a cautionary thing that everybody needs to know mm-hmm. is that when you're dabbling in something like this, yes. you have to know what is it that you're dealing with and how ancient it is. Exactly. And you have to know that you have to be close to God so that it doesn't infiltrate your daily life or it doesn't right. affect the outcome of anything that you do well we found too is people will call up and say well i want a blessing done or a a cleansing on my house Mm -hmm. i don't want you guys to investigate i just want a cleansing well we can't do that because we don't know what we're dealing with yeah you don't know what you're cleansing yeah Yeah, we don't know we're cleansing i mean we're not going to go in with a catholic cleansing on native american land because that's not going to work. We have to bring a shaman in with us, you know, from that particular tribe to do the cleansing on it, or it won't work. So you have to know what, you know, what you're working with. You know, so yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. It's scary work. Did you ever have a situation where you felt like there was something there definitely that was trying to control or. Absolutely. We had one case out in, uh, I can't, out in Yellow County, on, on the borders of Yellow County, where this thing not only tried to, con- was controlling the woman, but the shaman, when she was doing the the, the exorcism on the house, ended up w- wetting her pants during this thing. It was so bad. And in fact, the voice came out, we, we were in the master bedroom, got an EVP in there, and a voice came out warning Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, to watch out. I actually oh have the, the voice on the EVP, but I remember walking into that house. That was the first one in and it was a shadow about maybe three feet tall, this thing. And I could see it r- running along the walls when I walked in. And then I had a newer psychic that was going to join the team came out with us to do the prelim on there. We were walking around the garage and she looked up and she says, it's up there. Don't you see it? It looks like a little penguin. It's only about three feet tall. She says, I don't like it. She left and never came back. Oh it's scared that bad so yeah. that, that wasn't even an infestation in that house you know so yeah we, i have run into those things a couple of times you don't you don't run into them very often but but you do run into them and i've had stuff follow me home so i mean you know yeah yeah well <laughs> the, the case it's with this woman 
it is the fact that the the house that they were renting mm -hmm. was probably about three miles away from her parents' home. Her parents' home is the house that was sitting right on a graveyard. Right. Uh, actually, the whole neighborhood was like that. Uh, but the house that they were renting was the one where I think her husband, and I don't know, Char, you, you could correct me on this. There's been a lot of theories about what this creature actually is. Mm -hmm. Some say it's demonic because it responds to a cross. Okay. Uh, some say that it was a tulpa because the gentleman who was being visited over several months uh, was very depressed. Sure. So his emotions, I guess, you know, invited it in or attracted it or he created it. We don't know. Or mm -hmm. is it a mothman? That was the third theory that it was because it looks just like a mothman. Right, right. And right. somebody actually shared a picture of a mothman today. I posted it on Facebook. I thought this looks very much like it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. But the, the one that gave it away that made me think it was actually demonic was the fact that when the woman walked in and finally caught what was infesting her husband at the window, she picked up a cross from the mm -hmm. wall and actually approached it. You could say she practically attacked it. This is the same woman who had the mark on her leg earlier. Mm -hmm. She actually approached it and the thing like like a vampire covered itself with one wing as if it didn't want to see what she was carrying and then it effervesced downward towards the ground this was a second floor bedroom so you tell me doesn't that give away the nature well yeah that sounds similar to what that woman was describing in that garage Although it wasn't, it wasn't very tall, but I mean, that's what she kept saying was it had glowing eyes and it had these wings on it and it looked like a penguin to her. My gosh. You know, and it's scary. Yeah. It just scared it. In fact, the, the more stories that go into that is that when you walked into this garage, you could smell vomit. Oh my gosh. And then it was mocking people's voices. It was just crazy. So yeah, I would think that whatever that was that she, that she, she was dealing with, was demonic i would think so and there's there's different levels of of of, of demonic as well i mean you don't know, you know you, you have your level one demons and then it goes on down there's like six or seven levels of demons too depending on what on, on what they're capable of doing so it's like the angels you've got the uh, archangel you've got the cherubim you've got so you got that same kind of like a hierarchy yes yes but they're yeah. but they're fallen. These guys right. are fallen. Right. The, yeah. So the higher the number, the more powerful they are. The more hmm. they can do. Because we did a house out in the south area out here where we had like a level five that that that, that was infesting this house. And a level five can you know move things around and play with people's emotions and you know just just people could hear it, but that was about it. It couldn't do much else, but people could feel it. You know the the intensity of it. How did you get rid of it? We went in um, with holy water. <laughs> there we go, back to being Catholic, right? <laughs> a bunch of us that are Catholics went in there and just totally, you know, 
spray bottles with holy water and did all that good stuff. And uh, we went ahead and, and did the. Once we got out of the house, we, we went ahead and did went around the whole property and circled the property with with with, with uh, salt the, the whole ball game to keep it out of the house. Wow. But it was a lot of work when we went after it. I mean, you could see, you could tell it was in the room. It was in her garage. It was trapped in there. And you could tell by how hot it was. And we're talking, this is like February. So it's it's cool outside. And I mean, the sweat was just pouring off of us with this thing. As, we, as it was coming towards us and after us. In fact, it followed me home twice. It came oh. to my house. I got scratches from it. Oh, jeez. You know, so I mean, that, that it happens. That's the risk you take. <laughs> when yeah. you do this stuff, you know, <laughs> but that definitely sounds her, her thing definitely sounds demonic. It sounds like that thing that, that was at that house, that other house. Well, I don't know if it completely went away in the right. case of the woman. Right. I know the family has dispersed since then. I've kept in touch with the one person who happened to be the one who is close to my age. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said she visited her mother at one point. Her mother now lives in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and there's still that oppression. There is still kind sure. of like a feeling. And sure. um, I mean, I, I don't know how um, if you saw that in the book, I actually wrote down the last visit she made to her and mm -hmm. the feeling that she got when she entered the apartment. And I said to her, you know, you, you need to bring a relic of a saint or something like that because you can't not visit her, obviously. She's right, an elderly right. lady. You, you need to bring in a priest. You need to bring a relic of a saint. You need to bring holy water. I, I don't know what you, you need to bring everybody in. We used to work with a, with a uh, lady that, that could do house exorcisms years ago. Mm -hmm. And she used to say, when you walk into a house, take, um, take holy water with you. And before you even touch the doorknob, spray it on the doorknob. Don't touch anything in the house without spraying the holy water. Otherwise, yeah. you'll pick stuff up with you. And that's like you say, when she went to visit her, she needed to have this stuff. You know, um, I, I don't know if you've read about the the levels of, um, of uh, demons, what they can do to people. You know, when they start taking over, like you were talking oppression. That's just one mm -hmm. of the levels, you know, that it's, it's, it's the oppression thing that after a while, the people don't want to leave the house because, because this thing has them thinking that, you know, that, that mindset. And by mm -hmm. the time they don't leave the house is, is, is when that, that takes over and, and, and they enter the body. Yeah. 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 There's certain levels of it. So, um, yeah, we have, it's a very interesting story. It is. It is. It, it's pretty tragic, too, because I think what happened was it also split the family apart. Mm -hmm. We're talking six children and, and they're spread all over the globe. Uh, some of them really don't even talk to each other. Mm -hmm. um, when I went back, I visited another vicinity, um, you know, on a tip from someone. And I actually stayed overnight. But, you know, I, I had to stay somewhere. Right. <laughs> Not realizing <laughs> where I was staying. <laughs> it was actually another hotbed. Um, but but I will tell you this, it's it's interesting because um apparently this particular vicinity or this neighborhood, I should say, which is walking distance from a haunted university, 
was the site of a Japanese massacre. So once again, oh, you know, the common theme is there's always tragedy. There's right. always violence. The yeah, the, the, the land is just so so full of that energy. Yes, and and the energy never seems to leave. Right. So in in the middle of the night, you're sleeping peacefully, and then the next thing you know, you hear marching. Yep, that makes sense. So you sit up and you wonder, and you hear people screaming, running for their lives. And it's like, what is going on? This is like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. What is going on? You look up, you see the street light through the bedroom window, and you're wondering what's going on because there's people yeah. running, running, screaming, total mayhem. And then the next thing you know, you hear chains. And the chains seem to go over the gate because the homes there have gates. Right. And someone's trying to pull the gate down. And you can hear boom, 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 boom. So I come up to the window, okay? (laughs) I open the window and I go, my goodness, don't you people know it's two o'clock in the morning? (laughs) And suddenly the whole street was just quiet. There was nothing, nothing out there. All that emotional imprint. I mean, all that emotions in the ground, everything. Oh, my gosh. What an area. Yes. Yes. And that is very hard to take care of and remove. It's very, very difficult to do that. I've been in situations where you get the right person, like you, for instance. Maybe you have some psychic abilities and don't realize it, you know? Yeah. And so you stay in this place, and that's why you're hearing all this stuff, because it's, it's like the perfect storm for you to be there. <laughs> You know, yeah. they figure, hey, she she can understand us. She can hear right? us. Yeah. Let's talk to her. Let's deal with her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about what it is. You know, we've run into a lot of cases where like this one house out here in Roseville, this this teenage girl just thought it was all very funny. Had had a Ouija board, you know, the whole thing. And uh, family started seeing like little dark shapes r- r- running across their floor and stuff. And as it was, oh. it was because, because there was something attached to the land and then she's in there and the, and the kid and the girl's sensitive and doesn't realize it. And then she's playing games like that. And it was a perfect storm, but that's yeah. how a lot of this stuff ends up. Like with you, it's a perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's almost kind of like a, okay, you have a window mm-hmm. and the window is open Yes. So we're going to do a show for you. Yes. Because your windows are open. Yes. <laughs> yes. Until you call to our attention that, hey, I know that you're not alive. You are a bright blinking light is what you are. And they see you in the <laughs> dark and they're going to come towards you. I had somebody tell me that when I go to cemeteries, I have like a conga line behind me. <laughs> and I'm like, don't be behind me. I'll just go to your dead thing. Leave me alone, you know. But yeah, I get like a conga line behind me at cemeteries because I guess my light is so bright. So you have That's a bright light. Though. Yes, That's it is wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. You have a bright light. See, and, and, and they know you're sent your sense of you can talk to them. So that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna come try and show you what happened to them. Yeah. Like <laughs> as if I could fix it. <laughs> Sorry, you can't fix it. Sometimes the gift is a good thing, and sometimes the gift, you know, can be a bad thing. 
Yeah, yeah I, I I get it completely. Yeah, I get it completely. Crazy. Totally crazy. <laughs> but you I know, understand. with all the negative stuff, Shard, I was glad to be able to write the second book. Yeah. Because the second book, I'll tell you, is, is kind of like a, you know, the first one is an anthology, which is right. really basically a whole amalgamation of, I mean, I even have like a story about Bigfoot in that one. I have a story about, I guess you could call it a dwarf or a shadow person. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got all kinds of strange things in the first one. The second one is a nonfiction novel based on the life of a woman who is alive today. She's 90 years old. Uh, and, and this one you will find very, very absorbing because it's got all kinds of terrifying things that are happening. And I won't give it away, but I sure. will say that if you're a fan of happy endings, it does end well. That's Good. as far as I will go. I won't talk about all the tragedies in between. This is a young girl that just turned 14 years old that went searching for her father and had to hide in the Bavarian woods in order to make it happen. Wow. And those woods are, those woods are, are, are supposed to be haunted, aren't they? Yeah, and, and here's the thing. You were talking about imprints and how hard they are to remove. Right. Um, I actually found a YouTube video. I think it's only about a year old, a German man um, who was going through the woods, the Bavarian woods. Uh, and he found all kinds of different things like, you know, remains of ammunition. I, I don't know much about guns or things of that nature, right, but right, I think right. there were shells and there were things that had been detonated and things of that nature, but he also found some uncanny stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So this one is closer in time in the sense that the war was still happening. I start the story when she was about six years old. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time interviewing her and then finally put it all together. Mm -hmm. um, it was very sobering at the time when she was telling me all these things that were going on. And I kept thinking in my head, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in coincidences. I think there's a reason why I met her and there's a reason why I'm the one that's being asked to write her story. Right. Um, and, and this is thematically a very clear book about people and their tragedies and what happens to them after death and that i really interesting. what's that sounds really interesting yeah and, and i don't know much about germany i have not right. been i traveled to a lot of places but i have not been to germany and i was actually mm -hmm. pretty tempted to go there to go to frankfurt where the story begins outside of frankfurt uh, and actually go through the woods and if you look on google earth for people who are listening. Right. This is really crazy, but those woods are still there. Whoa. I mean, I don't know if they're smaller now because of all the, you know, civilization creeping in, right. but the right. woods are still there. Right. And Deb, weren't they doing experiments on animals too? So, I mean, there, there, there were areas out in the woods where they, they had these animals penned up because they, they were trying to make the super buffalo and all that. Yes. 
And the sad part is they had German shepherds mm -hmm. that, you know, they had used uh, to chase after people, to hunt them down. And when these animals were no longer of use to mm -hmm. them, they just left them to die. Nice. They let them starve to death. So it's very tragic because, you know, the, the girl in question, she didn't step into what happened to the German shepherds, but her father mm -hmm. did. Because in her quest to go up north looking for him, he, on the other hand, was coming from north going south looking for her. And between what she experienced and what he experienced, I was just really floored. It was remarkable that both of them survived. You know, what they went through, it, right. not just emotionally with all the, not because they both defected. They were both German, but they defected. Mm -hmm. She, as a Nazi youth, who was a highly esteemed and respected teacher at the age of 14, and he as a tailor for the Nazis. So having both defected, they were being hunted down. Of course they were. Because they were enemies of the Reich. Uh, and, and, and that's where all this interplay of forces begins. I'm going to have to read that book because that's fascinating to me. I Thank love you. reading those books. My, my, my grandfather fought in World War I. My dad was in the Coast Guard in World War II. So I come from that era, that, 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 you know, that, that era, my dad fought, uh, my grandfather fought over the Argonne forest. You know, he was over there. He, he was over in, in Belgium and all those places. Oh my gosh. During yeah. world war one though. But I'm just saying just, you know, just there's a history there with my family. So I let, so I read all those books. So I'm definitely, I, I, in fact, I ordered this already. Oh, to okay. Read because yeah. I, you know, I really wanted to, 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 to get into it. I can't wait to read it. It sounds so fascinating. Let me ask you something about your travels, because I know you collected ghost stories from around the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you say, you know, I've got like a flashlight or some kind of a light and people wander to me. Yeah. I think that even live people do wander to me. And, and I'm glad in a way I'm actually pretty flattered and humbled that they shared their stories with me. But that's how it began. I mean, basically, I was just vacationing. I really had no intention of doing any business in any of these countries. It was just, I, I used to work as a school counselor. And because of that, I was off June, July, and part of August. So my husband and I would travel every summer to a different destination we've never been to before. So even when I was like still working, you know, we'd move on and all that the following mm -hmm. summer we traveled. So those were stories that composed the next half of the book. So what you have there are people who are basically either vacationing or they're local. And they say, oh, I heard that you compile stories or they start talking about different stories. I start talking about experiences I've had and they open up. And there was a case in, the, in France, that one somehow comes up, well, there's two cases in France. Uh -huh. There's one about a couple who decided instead of going on an escorted tour, which means getting on a bus and everybody's crowded right. in, you go from they're one gonna place. They're gonna do their own thing. <laughs> they're gonna do their own thing. So they go on Airbnb and they rent, of all things, a farmhouse. Oh boy. 
in a remote section of France. So one of the things that the husband said to me was that it was supposed to be a very relaxing vacation because they didn't have an itinerary. They just wanted to say, okay, we're going to relax for a couple of days. We're going to go into the town. We're mm -hmm. going to eat a good meal. The next day we're going to relax again. It's kind of like that very low key. And then maybe once in a while we'll go visit a castle, yada, yada. So with that intention, they rented a car. So off they go in search of this farmhouse. Car had a GPS. And then by nightfall, they find it. It's in the middle of a wooded area. There's vast stretches of land, woods on this side. And then there's a barn just a few yards away from the main house. And it's, you know, a sweet jig. It's like, hey, you know, we, we get to have the peace and quiet. Not like that crazy touristy bus thing where they drop us off, take us off. So they settle in for the evening and they decide, ah, instead of trying to find everything in the kitchen, we're just going to go out to eat and then come back. So they go out to eat, go into the little village, you know, and they, the French eat late, probably mm -hmm. around like eight all the way until like 10 o'clock at night or something. So they come back and they get home around 11 o'clock. They get in the house, you know, the, the car's parked right in front. They get in the kitchen, they go upstairs and they get ready for bed. And the husband looks out the window. He says, there's a really bright light out there, hon. She said, oh yeah, really? Where? And they, they're looking out the window and you know, in France, there's no screens or, you know, it's just shutters, it uh -huh. opens into the night. So you can actually peek, lean over and peek out the window. They peek out the window and there's a, a big blue light inside the barn. Huh. Very bright blue light. And the first thing they thought of was, well, maybe the landlord is here. Maybe he's uh, fixing something in the barn. And he's like looking at his watch like it's past 11 o'clock. What could he be doing here so late? So they get on their business. They go to bed. They're lying there. Later on, they're sensing there's something underneath the window. And the light is gone. But then there's something down below them. So he gets up. He looks down. And guess what's looking at him? Really? <laughs> well, she thought they were deer. Right. You you know, like Bambi. Right. But there's a problem here. They're looking through the kitchen window, which is right below the bedroom. Right. And their heads are way above. So they're looking up at them. They're standing on their two hind legs. Wow. Looking at them. Yep, so much for the relaxing vacation, huh? <laughs> Whoa. So, <laughs> needless to say, they didn't stay very long. 
I, I, I would guess so. Yeah. And, and I think what happened was they ended up going into a hotel in the village. They didn't want to come back to that remote, you know, nice and quiet. It was way too quiet, too remote. Ended well, did, up in the did anybody in the village like have any similar stories or anything? I don't know that they talked. See, here's an issue with France. A lot of people speak English there. But my understanding right. is if you go into the more smaller villages, yeah, you have to have some, you know, ability with the, the language, with French. Uh -huh. So he wasn't comfortable. She wasn't. They didn't want to call attention to themselves. And okay. it wasn't until a year later. But when they got home to the States, they told their family. But then it was a year later when we met them on a different trip. Right. I forget. I think we were in Hungary or something like that. And that's when this all came out. Because they felt, oh, yeah, you, you work with MUFON. You must understand. Let me tell you what happened to us. <laughs> hey, you, you just hit a bell for me. I'm Hungarian. I'm half Hungarian. So oh, what, are really? ghosts, what are the ghosts like in Hungary? You know, no one told me anything no. when I was in Hungary. I have a story, though, that came out of, uh, I'm trying to think now, where were we? We were in Krakow. Okay. Okay. Uh, and there was a situation with a woman. And as a matter of fact, she's part of my, uh, my next book, which deals with haunted antiques. Uh oh, um, collector stuff. No way. Uh, yeah. I have a story about that in my house, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, in your house. Oh my gosh. So, this woman I later on met. Okay. And she happened to be, and I won't mention where it is, but it's a New England state. And I was looking at antiques myself. And we went into a particular room because it was a huge store. Yeah. And she turned to me. She's a very, very highly respected antique dealer. Uh -huh. She said, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I, I know you. You know, we've met on a trip, which is the trip in Krakow. Right. And she said, you don't want that. And I said, is it like the one in Krakow? And she said, sort of, because I'm getting a vibe from it, which is why I don't know that we're going to try and sell it. I think we're going to try and find a way to put it away, is what she said. Wow. And I, this is not the first time I've walked into an antique store where I get... You know the feeling when you can't swim? Yes. You go underwater up to here and you feel like you can't breathe because there's a heaviness. Right. I walked into an antique store. Not far from where I live right now, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, I saw this beautiful, beautiful vase. I guess they call it a vase because it's pretty uh -huh. big. You know, it was sitting on the ground. It was right next to a chest. 
And then on the other side of it was another vase, the same exact one. They were selling it as a set, the vase here and the vase here. I think it was probably close to about $5,000 total for the two. I walked away from it immediately because I just had the sense that someone owned it already. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, no, it must be the lighting because it's a little dark in this room. Right. Okay. So I walked away. You know, I always have that kind of like, oh, come on. You're just thinking this up. Right. You're expecting, you know what I mean? That, that right, was that. Right. Was, so I walked out of the room. I went to another end of the antique store. And then this is the one that had like a second floor. I wasn't going right. to go up. I just wandered off into another area and, and they were just antiques. They were just objects. Right. I, I look at this. I look at that. I look at this and so on and so forth. And then I come back again to this room. And let me tell you, as soon as I walked in that room, Somebody did not want me in that room. Hmm. Once again, I felt that kind of almost like a drowning feeling, like water right. was all the way up to my chin. Right. You know, when people talk about, you know, where, where they'll be outside and they'll say the, the fog or the mist can be cut like, like a knife. Yes. That's what, that's what you feel. That's what it is. You can feel it just, it's just, it's so tight on your face. That yes. feeling, like you say, drowning. And that's what I always say is you, is you cut the air with a knife. That's how thick it gets. And people don't realize that until they've experienced it. Yes. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but it seems like right before you see something, mm -hmm. there's kind of like a clicking yeah. in your ear or yes. a humming. Yes. And then time seems to fluctuate, stand still or something. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're, it was almost like a dream state sometimes. Yes. Yes. I've had it happen. Absolutely. Now I collected in my infinite wisdom, Roman and Greek antiquities. Oh, and it used to be on eBay years and years ago. I'm going to tell you guys how old I am. I'm not going to do it. But eBay used to get the, 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 these dealer guys that, that would get a hold of these museum pieces that had flaws on them. And the museums didn't want them, so they would sell them cheap on eBay. So I started collecting coins, and I started collecting amphoras, you know. And all they had were like, like one flaw in the back or something, you know. But they, they, they were nice pieces. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give it a second thought. I just had this stuff in my house. And I used to have an old desk chair that used to be by where I kept kept these antiquities. Psychic so came over to my house one day and she goes, there's a man in gold armor sitting by that, you know, sitting in that chair. Oh. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, he's got gold armor. He's got a red plume. Oh, whoa. I have a centurion in my house. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Why is he here? Well, two of the coins that you have were in his eyes. And whoever took the coins, took the coins out of his eyes. And he's here because he wants you to bury the coins in the backyard. Oh, my God. So he can go away. Oh, my God. Said, well, 
is he going to give me trouble? Oh, no, no, no. He just likes to sit and watch the family. But he's definitely sitting over there. That's the last time I collected antiquities. I still have them, but I, I, I did what she told me to do. Buried them under my lemon tree. You know, mm-hmm. never had another problem or, or had anything like that seen in my house, but taught me a lesson. I'm not collecting antiquities anymore. <laughs> I don't want to keep bringing weird things into my house, man. You know, who to figure? The second she said, "Hey, he's he's got he's got like gold armor on. He's got a red plume on his head." And I thought, "Whoa!" <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So antiques, yeah, that always sets something. You, about- you know, first thing we do, we when we go through a house when when somebody has a paranormal issue, we're just like looking at all that stuff. Like, I wonder how old how old uh, you know this vase is, or, or what is this? And you know, do they collect antiques? Yeah. And all that and uh, yeah, yeah. Because you never know what's attached to them or who's attached to them. <laughs> so this is funny that you mentioned that because the first story I have in this book that I'm writing right now has to do with a Queen Anne wing oh, chair. Boy. And in my salad days, when I was still in college, that was when I first got interested in antiques. And it was kind of like one of those things where we would go to a flea market. Oh, you know, that looks really interesting. And look at this piece of pottery. It's so intricate. Or porcelain. I like porcelain. Right. In this one particular case, I picked up a wing chair. It was cheap. It was like $35. Okay. This guy that I was hanging out with, he drove, you know, when beetles were still being made, he had a vintage beetle and he had like a convertible top. So this guy who was wearing this kind of like strange floppy hat didn't know how old it was, but he said, oh, you could have it for $35. So I was only in college. I hardly had no money. And I wanted something that was a little bit more distinctive for my dorm room. Sure. So there we go. He picked it up, plunked it in the back of the beetle, and off we went back to the dorm. And that's where the fun began. And I had no idea what an Ouija board was. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) until uh we we had a friend she was fascinated with tarot cards and ouija boards and i remember she was a sociology major i won't mention any names but at the time she was a sociology major she was studying different tribal societies but she was also studying rituals you know it was kind of part and parcel Uh of the whole thing and uh we had a little incident where a girl came out of the common shower and she was going to make tea in her room. So she wanders down the hall and this is around dinner time. Hardly anybody was home. And she walks all the way to the end, which is where my dorm room was. And she knocks on the door and the door is ajar. And lo and behold, there's a woman sitting on the chair. Wow. And she's all dressed up like a 1940s outfit with the heels and very stylish. The only thing is the woman was shimmering. Well, the girl was just holy, ran out of the room, knocked on the room advisor's door. 
And here I am, I'm coming back from dinner. I'm getting ready to get ready to take exams, you know, study for exams. Right. Next thing you know, there's a retinue of people standing where the van usually stopped right underneath the roof of the dorm. It's the room advisor and three other girls. And they all had this look on their face. And this woman said, did you invite a guest without having them sign in? I said, what guest? There's a woman in your, in your room. Crazy Jane said that she saw her. She was sitting on your chair. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so in that story, I had my first experience with an Ouija board, which was a total disaster. Really? I won't give it away. But okay, okay. Let, let me put it this way. You would not get me in the same house with an Ouija board after that experience. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I had the experience as a kid. My brother was, my, bro, my brother and his girlfriend were taking anthropology in college. So they were into all that stuff. Oh. And I don't know if it's something that just I did or what, but I wasn't supposed to be down there when they were messing around with the Ouija board or anything like that in his bedroom. But sure enough, I was down there. I couldn't have been more than like six or seven. And I, I swear I was standing near the light switch. And so they're doing their thing with the Ouija board. And okay, if you're in contact with us, turn off the lights. Sure enough, the light goes off. I scream. My sister comes down the hall and she's just like yanking me out of there. And that was my one and only thing with the Ouija board since I was a kid because it's just like it scared the heck out of me. You know? But then the Ouija, Ouija boards are weird because, I mean, that's, that thing does start moving. And I don't know whether it's the two people on there controlling it with their minds, you know, because they're putting so much energy in, into the use of it or whether they're actually in contact mm -hmm. with, you know, with something on that board that's moving it. But it's creepy. When that thing starts to move, it's creepy. Yeah. And the weird part about it is that I had, I mean, this was actually my own account. That's right. how I began right, the right, book. Right, right. We were told by this girl to put, you can't see my finger. I'll raise it up. So let's say here's my cell phone, which is the glass. Right. Okay. She, she took a shot glass and she put it right in the middle. And we were instructed to leave it this close above, okay. not touching it. And there was one, two, three, six of us around the table. The girl who was running it had her back to the chair. The chair was sitting right next to a roaring fireplace. Sure. Okay. Okay. In front of her was a hallway that led to the upstairs bedrooms. The kids were, um, well, they're, they're not kids anymore, but at right. the time we, we were kids. The two guys who were renting this beach house, we had to take it to a beach house. We had to get it out of the dorm. Uh -huh. We were told to get it out of the uh -huh. dorm. <laughs> of course you I won't tell you why we had to get it out of the dorm, but we got it out of the campus. So we got well, it out had, of the hey, It's your fault you wanted to add more spice to your dorm, and you did. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a, a darn shame. It was like this ashes of roses pink, they call Yeah. And it was like, uh, you know, like embossed and everything. It was beautiful. There was nothing wrong with it. 
<laughs> so you got it home. <laughs> we, we, we had to get it out of there. We were told you got to get it. And the bad part is this dorm, the other side. And I think maybe that's what dredged it all up. I sprayed it with Lysol. Okay. Because I was trying to dis. Maybe the act of spraying it with Lysol did something. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe, maybe it's. <laughs> or maybe it's the nuns. On the other wing, there were these. Uh, I think there were Dominican nuns. They were renting the other wing of the dorm. Maybe it could have been something with that, or whatever this was. Was not happy with. I don't know. Not happy with the nuns or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> So we took it out. We had a seance. Right. You know, that darn thing was sitting right behind her. And there were a network of windows over here. You know, it was facing the beach. There was like this beautiful porch that was all glassed in, you know, and you could open the windows so that in the summertime you had the entire breeze. All the windows opened up. Well, because it was getting close to winter, it was actually close to Thanksgiving. No, actually, it was close to Christmas break. So it's around this time. They have put plastic. These two guys who were roommates, they put plastic on all the windows because they were getting the cold. Mm -hmm. This is a New England cold coming in from the water. So they put a whole thing of plastic and another sheet of plastic. You can't see the view of the water because of all the plastic. Mm -hmm. We knew the water was only yards away. When you stepped out of the house, you were right on the beach. Mm. You had sand between your toes. That's how close it was. So picture this. It's nighttime, and this chair is here with a roaring fireplace. And the next thing you know, this girl says, turn all the lights off. I'm going to light this candle, (laughs) and I'm going to put a circle of salt Around the candle. Right. I Don't ask me where she got this ritual from. I have no idea. But it was a disaster. Huh. Guys are going to have to read your next book. Going to have to read, find out what happens. That's, that, that, that's crazy. Yes. That's crazy. That's just asking for it. That's <laughs> just asking for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They had to break the lease. That's how bad it was. Wow. And it was all your fault. It was. <laughs> <laughs> bringing, in the, bringing in the decorative chair. Right. Exactly. So do, you, so do you buy antiques now? That's my question. So I actually was buying some antiques in the 90s, well into the 2000s. Okay. But I buy teacups. Okay. You know, coffee pot, teapot, porcelain. Right. But the the sense I get is that when I buy them, I should buy them in person. You know how sometimes people advertise on eBay, Uh yada, yada, yada. I don't do that because of the sense I get from these things. That makes sense. So I I physically go to these shops, and that's how I met these people that are the topic of the next book. And I actually look at the object, and I spend a little bit to see if there's anything there. Right, right. Makes sense. You can't do that online. So, I mean, yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Yeah. You can feel the, the energy coming off of them. So if it feels like it's benign, right. almost friendly even, <laughs> or just saying, you know, like, oh, we're very cheerful here. <laughs> I I pick it up. Or most Come on times home with me. Person pick it up. I got you. Come on home with me. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. So, yeah. So I've been lucky so far. Good. So, but I'm very, it, it, it's very seldom that I actually, you know, I, I will look at a lot of things. I window shop more sure. than I actually buy. Sure. Um, and, and because of, you know, something in the back of my head telling me, just be careful what you invite into your home. I'm very careful about what I walk into. Uh, and, and that's when I experienced those two large vases, as they would call them, and wondered, you know, wh what had happened to the owner. Because when I came back, I, that feeling just told me, you're not welcome here. And I walked out of there. I never went back to that shop. Never. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't have either. Have you ever walked into, a, I mean, like you talk about that shop. Have you ever walked into a building and just felt that way? Like, I remember I, I had... When, when I had a direct mail advertising business years ago, um, I had to go pick up some stuff. And I'm not going to say where, where it was, but um, in, in this apartment building where this guy was working out of. And I got in the elevator and mm -hmm. I got this feeling that I just did not belong in this elevator. It's just like you say, that, that, that heavy feeling, you know, that you mm -hmm. get. And I remember I came all the way home and I told my dad, and I said, look, you're going to have to go pick this stuff up because I cannot, I can't stand to be in this elevator. I found out a week later that somebody had been stabbed to death in this elevator. Oh. And have you ever walked into a building and experienced that? I have. And as a matter of fact, I even took pictures, which someone said to me, that's silly because... That's right. God knows what you will see when it develops. And the interesting <laughs> part is it, it's controversial when, when you see a picture and you have orbs in it. Right. Because you never know, is it just dust mm -hmm. that you're seeing? Is it just something in the lens of the camera? Right. And when, when I took these pictures, it was before cell phones. Sure. So I actually physically had a camera. Mm -hmm. And I remember I always cleaned the lens sure. of the camera. When I walked into that building, I had a sense of uh, despair, I guess, is the sense mm -hmm. I got. A sense of isolation. And even kind of a sense of loneliness. And I didn't walk in alone. You'll never get me walking anywhere alone. <laughs> I walked in with a few people who knew the history of the building. And they said, we're not going to tell you what happened where. We're just going to let you go ahead and do what you think you want to do. Hmm. And there was this lovely stage. Uh -huh. It was a gym. But the gym had a stage. On the first floor. So I took a picture at the stage. And they said, oh, there's also a way to get under the stage. So I said, okay, let's go. So there we are. There's four of us. 
I'm walking ahead, which is unusual for me. I don't walk ahead. Right. I go, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> so, and I don't want to be in the back either. It's kind of like the national. Oh, I agree. No, I'm probably one of the only ghost hunters that doesn't like the dark. <laughs> I don't either. I don't do dark. <laughs> so we walk down here and, and this is a tropical area. So there's sure. windows and there's a lot of light. But for some reason, when you're going towards the back, it gets really dark. Mm, yes. <laughs> and then they stopped at the head of a stair. And I noticed, and thank goodness in retrospect, I'm glad there was a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. Somebody had thrown all kinds of chair and broken furniture down the stairs so that you couldn't enter. Wow. And I said, well, why are all these chairs down here? We can't go down there. And finally, the guy said to me, you don't want to go down there. This was the site of a torture chamber where POWs in World War II were chained to the walls and the Japanese tortured them. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. The energy down there must be horrendous. Yeah. And wow. I looked at the pictures okay it was a what do they call slr back when there were slrs i don't even right. know if they have slrs anymore and i said my goodness i could have sworn i cleaned the lens uh -huh. there were these huge orbs on the stage i think some of the photos are actually in the book there's huge oh. orbs right up on the stage. And the guy said to me, do you know why that is? I said, I didn't clean the lens. He said, oh, everybody who takes pictures of that stage, even when there's a performance, they have orbs all over. And I said, why is that? Because that's where the Jesuit priests were told to parade in a circle while the Japanese would come over and pick out who was going to be decapitated next. Jeez. And they had to change all the boards. You know, the stage was made of wood. They had to change all the boards because there was blood there that couldn't be uh -huh. cleaned. Wow. So, yes. I, I have walked in into a very heavy... And I didn't know at the time why I was feeling what I was feeling. Because, uh -huh. you know, I had three other people with me. Why was I feeling this way? Right. That's incredible. See, you got the touch. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, you got the light. I mean, you can see the stuff. You, you know, you get those feelings. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, you have that ability. That's why that's why they're sending you in going, hey, you you go in and give us your your, your, your you know your thoughts on what's going on here. That's why they're doing that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. It's weird because uh, I even came to visit at a house mm -hmm. and all the books fell off the bookcase as I passed. Okay. And the hostess of the house said to me, Oh, that's just my grandmother welcoming you into the house. And I said, you're kidding me. Where's your grandmother? In the kitchen? She started laughing. She said, no. She passed away 10 years ago. She used to complain about that bookcase. 
And she would pull down the books and say, these are all old. You should throw them away. Wow. You got some great stories. You know that? <laughs> Thank really, you. That, that, you should write a book about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. You should write a book about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, you got some wonderful, some great stories, and then to have traveled around the world like you did, and ended up collecting some some of these stories. You know, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Thank you, thank what you. What you've done, I just think it's great. You know, we've been on here for an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's how, and that's how well things have gone tonight. I loved having you on tonight. Thank you. Thank you, you so terrific. much for having Thank me you on. so much for coming. I would love to get you on again and talk more with you. Okay. You have so many cool stories to tell. Sounds you like know? a plan. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I mean, that, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I just looked at the clock and went, whoa, yeah. I could have gone another half hour. I, I just talked too much. That's okay, though. <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? I mean, we're, we're in front of all these people, and then that's the whole idea is just to chit-chat back and forth. Impromptu. I don't care about format. We just go for it on this show. Awesome. Great. You know? That works for me. Yeah. <laughs> Where, what state do you live in? I am in Pennsylvania. Oh, so I'm it's late actually for you. just um yeah, it's late. I uh am only about a mile away from one of the largest UFO um sightings. Really? I won't mention the name of the uh, town, but it's very close to here. And it was on UFOs over Earth. Yeah, but speaking of UFOs. Right. Uh, but we also have a complement of strange stuff like, uh, you know, people who've seen the rake, R-A-K-E. Okay. No idea what. Well, it's, uh, it's a creature that's about three to I four feet You saw feet the look long. on my face. I'm thinking, what the hell is the rake? Go ahead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a creature that's about three to four feet tall. Yeah. And it has no hair. It's got these huge eyes, very spindly, and the knees are connected in the back. Oh, wow. I think I've seen pictures of that. You might have. If I find one, and, and I have um, a, a guy that I know draws very, very well, I'll uh -huh. introduce him to you on Facebook. He has a great rendering of a rake. Interesting. I don't know how they got the name, though. Right. That's really interesting. You got so, such cool it, stories. Yeah, it, it's weird because this came upon me like totally by surprise. It was a parent of a kid who was picking up her kid at the local school. Mm -hmm. And my phone started ringing in, in the middle of the day. You know, the kids get out like around two o'clock ish and everything. And uh, I, I just saw something here. I just wanted to share it with you, but please don't put it on any website, yada, yada, yada. I said, okay, that's fine. What did you see? Well, my son saw it first. So she picks up her son, crosses a main road, goes down this lane on the way home. And as they're going down the lane, there's a field on the one side. And then there's this area that is like just an open garden of sorts. And something just leaped over onto the road, narrow road, blacktop. Uh-huh. And right in front of them, it was walking. And it looked, and then it just disappeared into the grass on the other side. 
<laughs> and she said the knees were connected to the back. And it had this very odd gait. It was spindly. It had no clothes on. And it had huge eyes. The kid was screaming, step on the gas. What do you think you're doing? Step on the gas. <laughs> Don't pull like, down and look at it. I want to see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what is that? What is that? <laughs> That's incredible. I've never heard of the rake. I'll, yeah, have it, to, I'll have to do some research on that. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, Charlotte. I, I have no idea whether we're dealing with an alien or like an elemental, you know, like a, a, an earth creature. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So you who have seen and, and, and investigated UFOs most of your life, you live next to a UFO area. Yes. So do you find yourself always looking into this stuff? You know, here, here you've got your, your, your writing career going on for your books. But, I mean, are you still, do you still feel that pull to go look at these, to, to, to look into these things? You mean as far as UFOs? Yes. I don't intentionally look for them. Okay. I, uh, actually, I don't even intentionally look for the stories. Okay. You know, they, like oh, yeah, the certain, they come to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like this woman that um, was telling me her life story. Mm -hmm. She literally fell on my lap. Someone told me, oh, you got to talk to this guy because his grandmother went through the war and she has a really weird story to tell. She doesn't tell too many people. She might tell you. And next thing you know, I got invited to a birthday party. They closed oh. up the entire restaurant. They had these, it was almost like a reception. It was that big. They had these round tables and I'm sitting at this one table. They sat her right next to me and she tripped and she almost fell. Oh. And I caught her. They literally fall into my lap. <laughs> so there, in the course of the evening, she starts, oh, you're the one that collects all these stories about, and you were with MUFON and yada yada. I said, yeah. She said, do you deal with ghosts too? And I said, yes, I do. And she's like, I've got a ghost story to tell you. And she went on from there. Wow. You know why? It's because you're so easy to talk to. I try. <laughs> or maybe because I talk their head off. I don't know. I don't know which one. <laughs> you're easy to talk to. I mean, just just looking at you to me, if 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 I saw you in a room, and I'm I'm a shy person by nature, I am too. I would be your friend because 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 you look really nice, you look really sweet, and you and you, you have a nice aura around you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my husband yeah. tells me I'm sweet when I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm joking. That's a husband thing, you know. Not, Husbands are husbands are husbands are husbands are husbands. Let me ask you this. In all your travels around the world, um, before we sign off, um, in all your travels around the world, you know, talking to people about their ghost experiences or, or you know, do you see a common thread with what people are seeing? I see people who maybe didn't realize they were ready to encounter something. Okay. Uh, I see someone who is now very open mm -hmm. to things that are not necessarily tangible. Um, as far as UFOs, it's a good question because uh, I was in a podcast actually last night around this time. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman asked me if I noticed that 
UFOs tend to be around water or the sightings are around water. And I have to tell you that in the case of the second book, Uh there's plenty of water too. And they're ghosts, not the water, but I mean the sightings of the, right, right, right. It's, it's around streams and rivers. So there's a common thread of some kind of tragedy that occurred. There's a common thread of water being an element that's present. Uh And among the people I talk to, there's a common thread of being surprised, but now having changed. Interesting. Very interesting. Anna Maria, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was delightful. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, you are one fascinating lady, and I'm, I'm so glad we were able to do this. I'm really thank glad. You. Let's see what's happening in the chat room. I've been looking in there off and on. Yes. Water is, well, yes, Marisa said on my team says water is a conduit and it is a conduit. One thing before you go, one thing I don't do and I try not to, but obviously you can't, you can't avoid it sometimes is I don't like going to the bathroom in, in the haunted hotels. Oh, because what happens is, is that they'll change the, 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 sometimes, you know, an older hotel, they don't get all the way underground to change the old, old piping. Mm-hmm. So they'll change the piping down so far. So you're still getting that old piping. So if there's going to be any kind of paranormal activity, because water is a conduit, it's going to come out of that old piping. And I always have this vision of, of sitting on the pot, and then there's somebody in my face you know, right there in front of me. Oh, my God. So I try not to, when, when we're investigating old hotels, to use the restrooms. But it's funny because any of the psychics that I have on my team, if we're filming and you forget where they're at, go to the bathroom because that's where they're all at. They're all in the bathroom doing readings and stuff. Oh my God. That's where the energy is. Yeah. In these old bathrooms. So that, that's the whole water thing. So let me ask you this. Are you familiar with the Elisa lamb case? Yes. Yes, I am. A hotel goes in the elevator. She ends up in water. Yeah. Yep. And who knows? I mean, what was it her medication issues or that that whatever was in that hotel, you know, push her up there to get in the water? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But it does, I mean, it does look like when she's in that elevator, she's she's she sees something outside the elevator. And when she's in the hallway, you know, she's talking to something in the hallway. So I don't know. You know, it's it's a hard one to call. But yeah, that that's like you say that that's that's another thing with water. Yeah, it's just something about the energy that that water holds. You know, just like a paranormal investigating, we want to get in. Like, if there's a, if there's a thunderstorm, you want to investigate either during or right after the thunderstorm, because the water and, and the and the electricity. You know, hold, so Charlotte. Hold. Yes. <laughs> when you said that, I just got this visceral feeling mm-hmm. because. Being a fan of David Politis, I've read all his uh, books about disappearances. Okay, yeah. Yes. And and there's always this line that I wonder about, this fine line between 
did they disappear because they were abducted or did they disappear because they entered a totally different dimension? Yes. Yep. And Absolutely. if so, it's close to the water. Yes. A lot of them are close to the water. Absolutely. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah, that's the most bizarre thing because then they'll find, you know, they search for those people and then they'll find them in the same area they were searching, like two, three days later. Or they'll, so find, they'll find signs of them. Yeah, like they're there, right? Yeah. yeah. How is like it this? possible that all these people that are searching in a grid do not find that person? Right. As if they're invisible. Yeah. And then two or three days later, like you said, they were right there. Yeah, they, they were there the whole time. Yeah, I agree with you with the with the other dimension thing. I think so. You know, I've known people who have gone through time slips, who claim they've gone through time slips like that. I experienced one years ago, too. You yeah. did, yeah. So something similar. I didn't disappear, but it it it, it was kind of spooky. Hmm. It, my friend, I'd gotten off work because I used to work at this newspaper late, and it was summer, so the you know the California you know daylight savings time and all that going on, and we were going um, down this one highway to see this movie in, in this other city, and, and pretty much like where I live, I mean it's all built up, so you know you see the city lights from from all the places. Sacramento blends into Elk Grove and blah 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 as you're going out. And when I was a kid, my dad always had a hatchback. And so I would lay in the back of the hatchback and he would be driving down the highway and I'd be looking up and, and like in the, on this particular highway, all the bridges had vines on them when I was a kid, all the overpasses. And so as I'm driving that night, my friend's in the car with me, all of a sudden it was like, I could only focus in one direction, which was forward. Hmm. And as I started going under the bridges, they all had vines on them. And they didn't. And they didn't, because they, they had all been redone from what they were when I was a kid. Next thing I remember, the next thing she remembers, is we're looking out the window, and there's no city lights anywhere. And we're like, but we should be, you know, in this certain city. Yeah. So we pull off the road, and it's an hour later. And we're like two, and we're like two towns down from where we were supposed to be. So you lost time. We lost time. And, and, and it looked like we went back in time for, for a brief period there at the same time. So there might be a bunch of little me's running around in some UF, <laughs> in some alien spacecraft somewhere. You know? So th this is this is interesting because... You know how investigators, you're either a UFO investigator or you're a paranormal, like, right. supernatural investigator. See, I'm both. Yeah, I'm because you know what? You've had both experiences. Yes. Yes. Did you feel any different when you came out of it? Were there marks in your body, in your hands? Nope, nothing. Well, we didn't, you know, I didn't think at the time... I wasn't as into paranormal investigating as, as I am now, so it didn't, I just thought it was a weird thing. 
you know, because because we were late, we wanted to see our movie, so we just turned around and went back to the town to go see our movie. We didn't give it a second thought at the time, but we both experienced it. We both remember experiencing it. Have you had any nightmares about it? Any dreams? No, not that I can remember, unless she has. But no, should be interesting to see if she did. It'd be interesting to go under hypnosis. You know, to see if something did happen in between that, you know, in that time that that happened. That because is something. Really something definitely was weird and happened because we, I mean, we both witnessed it. Jeez. But was there remember. anything above the car? You no, think? I don't know because it seemed like it did seem like we went and to me, from my perspective, for some reason. Didn't look off to the right or left. I was I was totally focused, like straight. Hmm. There was no right or left for me. Hmm. But as we went under the, as we were going under under these overpasses, I saw the vines. I clearly saw the vines on these overpasses. Like I had gone a rip in time, going back in time or something. It was nuts. And then we lo- then I looked around finally when I came out of it, came out of whatever I was in. Plus, you got to remember, if I could see the vines on the overpasses, it was still daylight. Okay. Right. So by yep. the time we realized that we weren't seeing the city lights, it was dark. And we were looking out the windows of the cars going, hey, we should, you know, this should be more populated than what it is. Yeah. So yeah, somewhere at so- some point, maybe even the car was transported. Yes. So whatever it was took us and left the car running and left us and put us back in the running car or whatever they did, whatever it did. Because we were still moving down the freeway when when we came out of it and realized that, you know, we weren't where we we were supposed to be. Did I tell you about the two gentlemen who uh, were trying to cross the bridge? No. Tell me about that. So this is a uh, town not far from here. And this Mm -hmm. happened when I was a UFO investigator. Mm -hmm. So this was part of the flap. And um, it it wasn't on my caseload or anything like that. It was a man who actually just approached me and told me what happened to them. Um, They had aired three episodes of UFOs over Earth. Mm -hmm. I happened to be in the second one. And this was over Thanksgiving and the gentleman recognized me from, you know how that happens. Gentleman recognizes you. Oh, you were on TV. I got to tell you about what happened. So I had a few of that. Okay. Which ended up in this book. His friend and him were going home from work. And in order to go home from work, they had to cross over the river again, (laughs) a body of water. So they're approaching this this bridge, which is not a very often used bridge. There's, I would say, like every so many miles, every town has a bridge that crosses over mm-hmm. to New Jersey. So this is one of those bridges that cross over to New Jersey because they both lived in New Jersey. And, you know, people go back and forth all the time. Right. Because I'm only seven miles from the New Jersey border here. They slow down, and his friend turns to him who's driving and says, you see that car? He's blocking the bridge. And he's like, 
I think they're sightseeing. So he stops the car, right? They were right. waiting for this guy, but the doors are all open. So he comes out of the car. His friend comes out of the car, and together they walk over to the car that's sitting right in the middle mm -hmm. of this steel bridge. And you've got, you know, the river flowing underneath it. He walks over to talk to the guy. He's like, you know, you can't be sightseeing here because this is still rush hour. Right. It's the end of the day. People are trying to get home. So he walks over on the one side. The other guy walks over to the other side. Doors open. There's nobody behind the wheel. The oh, entire vehicle is empty. And the vehicle is on drive. That's incredible. Wow. Yep. The car, the car is moving kind of like skimming, uh -huh. skimming the surface of the bridge. So whatever happened, happened suddenly that they didn't even get to put it on park. Wow. It was just nobody there. Yeah. Like they got sucked out by something. So they were looking over the bridge to see if anybody had fallen. The other guy is like looking all around. Hello, hello. They got this really strange feeling. And the guy is like, why do I feel like there's something above me? <laughs> they didn't want to look. They ran back to their car, got back in the car, reached for the cell phone, called the police and said there's a car obstructing. They didn't tell what condition. It was just a car that was obstructing the traffic. We're going to take the other bridge. Nice. Wow. Yeah. All these mysteries. It's kind of spooky. You don't want to drive or nothing anymore. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> Just like camping. You know, David Pilates ruined camping for me. I don't <laughs> want to go camping anymore. I just don't. I used to love to go camping, but it makes you wonder about going out hiking and camping, man. You know, <laughs> something going to open up and suck you up, or you're gonna get you're gonna get beamed up, or what's gonna happen when you're out there. Do you know, ever since I've read this books, if we're out hiking, and when I say hiking, I'm talking hiking like as at least 10 people. Yeah. I won't go with less, because you know what happens. Even in the movies, they get picked off one by one. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and don't separate. Just stay with yeah. us. Stay with your group. Do, do not. That's you know, right. Excuse yeah. me. Can you come to the bathroom with me? I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go in this bush by myself. And I don't want to be in front. Yeah, and you don't want to be in back. And I don't want to be in the back. <laughs> so everybody's clustered in the middle. And there they're all walking like this. Just one big group in motion, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. You know, I love camping. I love going fishing. And I will not do that anymore. My friend yeah. says the 411 books are disturbing. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're very disturbing see here's the thing too it's like a lot of them you can't explain it's not like no. oh he fell you know he injured yeah. himself or maybe he committed suicide but right. you know something. there's no body no clothing until or there's no body at all yeah or what is this person doing from point a and ending up Six miles over there, hey, you know, off the, off the side of a cliff. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, 
Well, like the kid, the three-year-old kid. Yes. And they normally cower, you know, they hide at the base of a tree and they're crying. Suddenly they're 12 miles away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's crazy. It's like something picked them up and then put them, you know, put them back over there. Hey, how about that kid just recently in the news who got lost? Where was it? Was it um, Virginia or Montana? Montana. Yeah, he claims that he that he that he slept with a bear. A bear took care of him. <laughs> and yeah, bear that knocks. What part of Sasquatch don't you understand on that one? <laughs> but the kid swears up and down it was a bear, right? No. <laughs> I had a story about a Sasquatch. Loves popcorn. Cool. I like that Sasquatch already. Yeah, it, it was really, uh, I mean, it was in the middle of a farm. And the funny part is the lady moves in. Farmer knew about the Sasquatch, didn't say anything to her. Yeah. Until she started one night. She comes home from work, popping popcorn. And then there's something outside in the backyard. It crossed over. It came from the woods. I've never actually seen a Sasquatch. Wow. And I'm not planning on it. <laughs> yeah, that's something, no, I, that's something I don't want to deal with either, you know. And that was one thing, because um, we used to have a house up by this area where, where they're real prevalent. And there's a bunch of Squatch hunters up there. And I remember because I was doing paranormal work. And my dad was proud of me. Oh, she's a ghost hunter and she does paranormal work. I get this restaurant and I'm like, don't tell them what I do. I don't want to go. I don't want to go back country and find one. I'm good. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm good with ghosties and stuff. I, I I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I don't know what I would do if I ran into one. Well, you'd have to run really fast. <laughs> you have bigger legs than I do. I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, I've heard. You know, there was an attack recently. Where did I hear that from? There was an attack with a group of people. Really? And I think it was in Oregon. That makes sense. And they attribute it to Sasquatch, Siskiyou National Forest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mount Shasta area and all that. Dang. Oh, yeah. And you know, Mount Shasta, that's another oh, yeah. one. <laughs> that's another winner. Our house Personally, used to face Mount Shasta. I used to sit there and think, gee, how come it doesn't open up for me with the UFOs, you know? Have you ever seen one? I have. A couple of times. Oh. There's about three or four, well, three or four times that I can't explain. I've, I've been, I've been driving car? home late at night where it's, it's cloudy and the whole cloud lights up. And I see something shoot up out of the cloud and disappear. I've seen Did it follow you? Yes. Oh, I shoot up out of the cloud, disappear, finally went away. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, you know, I've seen things like, and I don't know if it was a blimp or what the thing was, but as a kid, this thing was in the sky, right outside my, well, not outside my house, but up in the sky by my house. And it had like, it, it, it had, it was, it was brown, had, had, had rotating lights on it. Hmm. And it was there for like an hour. Now, blimp, 
don't know. You know, I must have been about probably about 13. I could see this thing out the front door. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've I've seen that. I we were all parked behind the store, just you know how kids will park, and you're just chit chatting. Mm. And it looked at it really looked like the moon. This thing, no, oh. it just ho- it hovered in the sky, but it looked like the moon. Jeez. And I remember that clearly too. So probably because I don't sleep well at night, so I always wonder if I'm not <laughs> if there's a reason why because they're taking me at night or whatever. And people are gonna say I'm crazy, but yeah, you know I always wonder about that. I'll wake up with different bruising and stuff, so I always wonder, hmm. you know, whether or not it's a repeat thing, and I just don't realize it. And maybe that explains the bruising and the yeah. missing time. Yeah, yeah. So who knows, you know? But yeah, I've I've I've, I've had experiences all my life that and paranormal, ghosties in my house. You know, that's a, it's been real active mm-hmm. in my house, and then I see other, and then then the then the whole see the see the stuff in the sky at night stuff. So, so your eyes are also open. Your third eye is open. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell when I walk into a building if there is a male or female spirit in there. I can tell. Just by the how heavy the energy is. Because males Gee. tend to be heavier. Hmm. You, you know, know, it's weird. Because I don't remember when I realized I could see things. I think right. as far back as I was conscious, mm-hmm. I remember knowing I could see things. Yeah. Yep, I used to see stuff all the time as a kid, all the time. And of course, I I had a vivid imagination, you know, in my house. But yeah, I, I used to see stuff all the time in my house, constantly. And then after a while, because you get older, mm-hmm. I think it kind of it, it it kind of bottoms out, because you get other interests, and so you're not focusing on that. But then when I got into paranormal investigating, I started to see things, see and hear things again. Because, because you were tuned in. I was with more psychics and stuff, and so that energy was there with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then now it's this house is as active as any house they've ever I've ever investigated in. But it's nice yeah. things. Thank God right now. <laughs> it's nice. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you know, I've had some negatives come know? home, but you know, but yeah, it's nice now. Hmm. Wow. They're decent now. Well, it's, yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of relatives here. In fact, when really? My mother, when my mother passed away, the house got a lot calmer. Huh. And I think she's here and she's just like, look, don't be messing with my kid, you know. Nice. Because it used to be, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be exhausted here all the time. My family had other homes and they, they, they would leave me at home alone. And I always found my, my energy was always drained here. Always felt drained. Hmm. Because there was just so much energy, you know, c- coming at me all the time. Wow. But now it's not like that. Hmm. Once my mother passed, all that energy shifted. The house is a real cool place to be in now. So she's kind of like protecting. Yeah. She's taking care of it all. She was able to manage to get them all out. Yeah. So that you would be in her light, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially what's happened. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Because I, I can remember how heavy it was here all the time. Yeah, I would get home from work and my dog would be hiding, would be hiding behind the chair. Oh my gosh! You know because she would see stuff. You know so, we've yeah. always had animals in the house, and I've never had, 
I would say in the old residence in that neighborhood that we were living in, mm-hmm. cats would end up getting sick or dying. Yeah. Or hiding. Yeah. It, it's just strange. And yeah, then people strange. were always fighting. Yeah, that'll do it too. Always. It'll cause that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, people don't realize how complex what we do is. <laughs> yeah. They see this stuff on TV and it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, you'll, you'll be out in two days. <laughs> right. They think it's entertainment. Yeah. Little do they know. Yeah, it's just so complicated. That, that, and the f- dynamics, you know, even on a regular investigation, there's there's always dynamics. you got to ask questions. I mean, major, major questions to people about, hey, are you having trouble sleeping? Are you, you know, uh, are you taking medications? Or have you been ill? Or has there been arguments? Are you guys having dreams? This, 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 and this. And you, you got to pick it, every little thing. Hmm. You know, to, to, to try and solve and figure out what's going on when you do these investigations. Wow. Come on, you did that with MUFON. You had a question yeah. thing that you guys went out yeah. with. So, I mean, it's similar to what you, it's similar to what MUFON does, only we're doing it for ghosties. Yeah. You know, and all that. You, it, it's strange with, with MUFON because you're looking for evidence. Yeah. So, so you want something physical mm-hmm. and you're hoping that somehow it's at least like a close encounter of the second kind where there's like, you know, some kind of effect on the ground, whether right. it's scorched grass or something left on the leaves or right. the person. Like there was a case there where she had scoop marks, which I included in the book, a woman who right. was jogging by herself. Um, but these are the things we look for. Whereas in your investigation, it's a little bit more elusive because other than the interaction, mm-hmm. You're not going to see anything, con- or it's going to be so much that you have to get an EVP. Right, right. You know what I mean? You're going more with your gut. You're going more with how you feel. Right, right. Whereas the other one, it's a lot more concrete. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we're both, you know, kind of in the same business in, in the twisted sort of way. Anyway, <laughs> it's say 30. We've been on here two hours. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful has <laughs> oh this been? Thank you it's so much. In here. It's eleven thirty. <laughs> if you want to pull an all nighter, I'm good. No, I'm kidding. Oh but, my! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun. It was fun, and I definitely want to get you on again because th- th- this has been great. We, you and I could talk for hours. I can tell. <laughs> it's not a problem. Well, we already just did, so <laughs> it's not a problem. But I well, want to thank you, so you for coming. I want to thank you for coming on, and I'm going to get with you so we can set you up for sometime in January or February to have you on. Okay, you sounds good. To talk, to talk shop. You know, it, it was really fun. But thank you, and have a good holiday. Thank you. You too. And happy oh, new year. <laughs> yeah, happy new year to you too. All right, ma'am. You have a good evening. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. All right, guys, that was really fun. And uh, if you like the show, click on subscribe. If you didn't like the show. Click on subscribe anyway, or share it with five people if you liked it. If you didn't like it, share it with five people again. That would be great. Um, tomorrow, to, Sunday, I will be here uh, reading from Mrs. Miracle again. Uh, that'll be at 5 p.m. Pacific this time because of our 7 p.m. event that we're going to be doing, uh, you know, for the solstice. Um, and if, if you like the show, like I said, cl- click on that subscribe button because we're always looking for subscribers. We always want to 
have subscribers on. Well, that was really cool to talk to her. Really started to roll, you know, it's just kind of shaky I was, but then got really into it. Anyway, uh, again, um, I'm looking for subscribers on YouTube, so the more the merrier. So if you could do that for me, I'd appreciate it. There's a little, when, when, when the YouTube site thing comes up, there's there's a little tiny ghost in there, and that's our little ghost with the magnifying glass. That's our investigator ghost. Click on that bad boy and uh, subscribe to us. And again, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five people anyway. Uh, as you can tell, there's a ticker tape that runs across the bottom of the screen. That's because my non my, my California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is nonprofit. So everything that produces this show, you know, anything having to do with this show comes out of my personal pocket. So I can always use some help to keep this show on the air. So if you can find it in your heart to donate, that would be great. There's two addresses for that. That's paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you have a Venmo account, it's really simple. Go into Venmo and just type in California Haunts and we'll pop right up. But like I said, all this comes out of my pocket. So I would really appreciate some help to keep this stuff on and keep getting great guests like, like, like Anna Maria. Monday, we're going to have Brett Oldham on talking about, what else, UFOs and uh, alien abductions and all that good stuff. So that's going to be Monday at the usual time at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Again, I want to thank you guys for coming today, and I appreciate it. And I will see you on Sunday to read Mrs. Miracle. Have a good one.